of the movie Inherent Vice. I feel like every week we've done the music before. Yes, we have. Uh, My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, Mm. do you have a tagline for the Inherent Vice movie that we saw this week? He lasted longer than that girl than I would have. <laughs> My backup is something Spanish. Let's hear it. That's it. Something Spanish. Oh, all right. I thought you were going to give us some Spanish. No, maybe that says no. Something Spanish. Oh, very good. Uh, I have Might. a question. I have a question for you about one of his notes. Do you remember Please. the girl from the other tagline I'm referring to? Oh, yeah. Okay. What? Just making sure. Do I remember the girl? That's the answer I, ex- I would expect. I'm going to spank you in a minute, Kelly Wan. <laughs> That's what I would do if I was you. If I had the faithless little wand over my lap. Uh, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you uh, uh, two things. Number one, please remind me to ask you a question about his little notes, because I have a question about one of his notes specifically for you. Because um, it's stoner, or because I'm a private investigator? Both. Which I haven't been outed as yet. Either no, one. But, uh, wait, they gave you a license? <laughs> you saw me on the firing range. That's a good point. You're really a uh, nice grouping of your shots. <clears throat> um, my other question for you was going to be, uh, what is your IMDb opsis for this week, Mr. Wilson? Oh, I first wanted to thank the listeners for the beautiful Christmas present of letting us skip The Hobbit. That's the best Christmas present I've ever gotten. Uh, Yes, well, thank you very much, listeners. Uh, We had a number of listeners write in to let us know that while uh, it might be personally personally pleasurable to them to hear you do an opsis of The Hobbit. They didn't even want to sit through The Hobbit. Well, the, more to the point, they were <laughs> That's like, what I got out of it. Why should we ruin your holidays for our. That's bait. You know what? I appreciate that thought. And if it's true, that's very sweet. But I also think that's like the. I knew you just want the cash money. Like, <laughs> even though it's like, I didn't really want to shop for you. I'm just going to you cash. But cash is also a better gift. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Like, they didn't want to sit through the Hobbit in any way, but they went. But it's also your Christmas present. <laughs> so you don't have to write about it, even though we're really doing them a favor, aren't we? <laughs> and we're also sending... I think the listeners is now, fuck you! <laughs> your gift is a is a, is a a uh, something from us that we're sending to the Smile Train Fund. That's what we're doing. What's that mean? Because, you know, people who give charity gifts for Christmas presents. Uh, is there a Smile Train? Yeah. Remember Silver Streak smiled after it crashed. Hmm. Fascinating wand. Anyway, thank you, listeners. And what? Yes, we thank you. But we also, they also didn't give a shit about uh, Annie. Well, does anybody? I mean, I, I mean, the only thing that I care about is that is Quivenjane Wallace is in it. Um, Who? Quivenjane Wallace. 
Which one's that? She's that awesome little girl. Oh, from Beasts of Southern Wild. Yeah, from Beasts of Southern Wild, yeah. Right, right. And I didn't realize that because um It's like I, Jennifer Yeah. What, what'd you say? Well just like how Jennifer Lawrence in Winterspoon were like, Yeah, let's champion Jennifer Lawrence and then it's like here's the Hunger Games. <laughs> here's like we wanted. Thanks for the Hunger Games. Yeah, we we made her. Thanks. Yay. Our prize. Uh, no, but um, what it, I didn't know it was her, and I'd seen an early preview for uh, for the Annie movie, and there's there's this line reading in the preview that's just so offbeat uh, that she delivers. Um, it, it's an offbeat life, <laughs> really. Um, that I that, and, and I said I can't remember what it is, but it, it's like quick is how i get away or something like that it's weird, <laughs> Wait, weird I like way. That. that's something the brave would say the girl from brave yes quick is how i get away but um quick is how i get away but i didn't realize it was quimengine wallace in the movie that sounds- and that makes me want to see it more but still not want to see it enough to actually go see it and she's saying she'll have to sing in it so then you see yeah. even more right but I have so much goodwill for her after Beasts of the, of the Southern Wild that I'd be happy to see that movie again. I feel bad for all the actors in The Hobbit who had to sing, just because of that one scene. And the, just Why? The what do you words. mean? Well, because if you're not a good singer, yeah. but you're a great sword fighter, but you still have to do the dishwash shit. Yeah, I think they can auto-tune all that good stuff. Point. Why am I feeling bad for the wrong people? You are. The singing in the other Hobbit movies was great. Was it the Two Towers or the Return of the King that has that great, that great? <laughs> what? Never mind. Which part where they jump on the bed? They don't sing too. No, 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 not when they jump on the bed. Where uh, Pippin or Mary, I can never get them straight. The sing. Is singing that beautiful ballad uh, while Denethor is going nuts. Oh, it's Pippin. It's Pippin. Yeah, I love that. And it's beautiful. Yeah. So I have no problem with singing in. in, Well, that's not a Hobbit movie. That's a Lord of the Rings movie. So never mind. See, that's so good. And then we knew we just we couldn't even see this one. In only 10 years, look what's happened. Yeah, I know. I know. That's pretty stunning. Even the listeners. And I'm even worried to go back to look at the Lord of the Rings movie. I'm worried that the um, that no, the Hobbit got... movies have ruined them. For, will have ruined them for me. No, they'll always be good. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take your word. Gandalf fucking kills a Balrog. Pippin's great. There's no Pippin in the new ones. There's no Han Solo in the prequels. They don't. What? I'm just saying. Like the the Hobbit movies are the Star Wars prequels of the Lord of the Rings. All right, that's a good analogy, and I would, I will, I will endorse that analogy. Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the dumbest thing ever said, even on the internet. All right, getting back. All right, to so the IMDb opsis for this week, Mr. Wand. It's uh, holiday themed. Oh, that's, good. That's your hint. All right, let's do this. I'm not going to tell you which holiday. That's part of the fun. Oh, what? You have to guess it along with the title. You ready? Oh, and I have to get. I have to get the holiday. Yeah, All right, I'll, go ahead. Oh wait, wait. Get braced and trim the tree. <laughs> okay, ready. <laughs> During childhood, Fred Claus suffered <laughs> his younger brother Nick saintliness. Jump ahead. Fred is a fast-talking, genial but self-centered guy in Chicago looking for fifty thousand dollars to open an off-track betting shop. <laughs> Fast-talking, genial, but self-centered. 
Right. When one scam goes awry, Dingus, he calls <laughs> Nick at the North Pole for a loan. What? I know. He needs the money for a betting shop, but then he needs a loan, too. He's calling St. Nick to get a betting shop opened? No, he called... Now that... I'm not sure what happens with that. Because right. the scam may not be related to it. All right. The betting shop may just be his pipe dream. He calls Nick at the North Pole for a loan, which has nothing to do with the betting shop. Dingus, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. I thought he. I thought he needed fifty thousand dollars to open his betting shop, and that's why he needs the loan. No, some studio <laughs> notes were given. <laughs> this whole thing is like listening to studio notes throw up. Nick will give him the money only if Fred comes up to help a few days with the Christmas rush. Are you following? Yeah, I'm with you. I understand that. And for the betting loan track, if he becomes an elf. After his girlfriend dumps him. Totally unrelated to all that. Unrelated. Fred heads north. No, totally just cuts to the chase. Santa's facing an audit from an efficiency expert. What? And it's not pleasant. <laughs> Unlike most audits. You know what? I'm starting to be jealous of the IMDb writers. For real. I'm not, that's kind of good. Fred's job is to review charts and determine who's naughty and who's nice. Is there any fraternal feeling left? Can either learn from the other? And what about Santa getting fired? That's the end. Does wow. It Santa could get fired. You don't know if you see the movie. All right, good. Do you know what the movie is? I, I have no idea. Uh, is it the Santa Claus? Oh, it's Fred Claus. I oh, the Fred name. Claus. Yeah. Is this two weeks in a row that you've started an IMDb Obsess with the name Fred? What was last week? I don't remember, but I, I remember you starting uh, one of these IMDb Obsess with some random name. Fred Paulson. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, why did you do that with the name? So Fred is the link. I don't know if, I don't know if it is Fred. It might it, be you know, Robert Paulson for all I know. I'm going to finish the Freds of IMDb and then I'll work through the other names. Good, let's work through our Freds. Alright, so this is Fred, Fred Claus. Claus. Who, who the heck is in Fred Claus? Vince Vaughn. Remember he, wor- he in the previews he rode a little sleigh. Like a little rocking horse sleigh. It's um, When you say the word previews and then you ask the word remember, you know so none me. of those things are going to happen for me. You wa- it was, but you watched TV once, right? Yes, I did once watch TV. But I don't watch previews, so I have no idea. And I'd never watched the movie Fred Claus. Did you see that movie? No. I'm doing ones I haven't seen. That's another part of the theme. All right. Fair enough. Movies starring Fred I haven't seen. So what holiday is it for? Uh. <laughs> hey, also, there was a Jaden Smith interview. Oh, God. And he said, um, you never learn anything in school. Think about how many car accidents happen every day. Driver's Ed, what's up? I still haven't been a driver's ed because everybody I know has been in an accident. I can't see how driver's ed's really helping them out. Oh, God. Is that what? What was that? It's for? movie related. We're like Variety. 
What I mean, what did he give that interview for? This T magazine. Why is he talk? Why is he talking at all? Because they're asking about his new album. What? what? Yeah, they both put out an album at the same time, okay. and the interviewer is asking questions like, "So, what do you? How does that? How does that piecing together process begin for you? How do you? What do you think about? Why do you know this? Why do you because know that Jaden Smith? North Korea hacked Sony. Going, oh my god, this interview is terrible. And I went, oh, I better oh. read the interview. All right. Right. So, well, ironically, North Korea know, led me to an interview. Uh, since you brought up North Korea, let me go ahead and ask, what do you think about this whole interview kerfuffle? Um, Sony sucks, man. What the fuck? They're not backing their dude. What do you mean, backing their dude? They're not releasing the movie. Yeah, of course they're not. You're releasing it, but we're releasing it only in Seoul. Then what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, more to the point, the, the theaters are refusing to show it. I mean, well, got... the thing, theaters are saying they didn't refuse. They're saying Sony's putting. They're saying Sony's lying. Oh, all right. But North Korea knows who's lying, so they should hack the theater and Sony emails and tell us. And so Sony... we just have cascading series of gossip hacks. Well, and Obama said, "All right, we're going to respond." So I thought, "Oh, cool, Obama's going to hack North Korea." But now Pyongyang's saying. It wasn't us. It was like kids in a basement in here. So, so don't blame us. Yeah, don't blame us for your nine eleven shit. Right. So the net one's claiming anything. Like no one's like claiming credit, but everybody's claiming credit. It's terrible. It's stupid. It's funny. I'm glad it's happening. You're I want to see it. Happening. Well, it, you do. All right. Fair enough. I like the. It could lead to an actual nuclear war. Oh, that part's cool to me, I guess. I don't know. But they're not releasing it at all? What the fuck? You fucking pussies. Nation of pussies, dingus. That's my takeaway. That's my answer to your question. I'm appalled by the cowardice. Um, is it cowardice or is it protectiveness? I mean, if you think about what happened, I mean, the precedent... I think that a lot of the executives and distributor people are thinking about is what happened in Colorado. And if you have a warning that that kind of thing is going to happen. You can't cave into that shit, though. But it, but then if something happens, then what, where's well, the liability? Rises, for Dark Knight Rises, there was like that one guy shooting, but then they let it, they released it anyway, and there was no other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that. And this is different. This is basically someone calling us out. And we're just going to go, all right, all right, you win. Like, well, we're, in, we're not doing it. I think it's people trying to get insurance money, quite frankly. Uh, that's why it's not even yeah, going out the VOD, because it can't be released at all and make any money at all if no, they're going to get there. It's going to be smash now, because now everyone wants to see it and see if this was worth all this. It'll, be a, it'll be a stolen smash, but it'll never make a, a lick of money. It'll make its insurance money if they're lucky. I mean, that's what they're, that's what they're going for, isn't it? But just through publicity, isn't that kind of well? What I don't know what you mean by that because you, you're well, already telling the First Amendment uh, watermark. Whatever happens, because it's still happening. We're not sure how it's going to shake out. Because Sony's like, right. well, we're going to release it, maybe. But that crackle thing's bullshit. Like, if North if the North Korean government's saying, oh, we didn't do it, which they didn't say till like today. Then it kind of changes it. Like, if it's just kids, then isn't Sony even dumber? Yeah. There was that one thing where they said there were only, like, 11 IT guys there, and half of them are suits. So, like, they had lame security. 
Right. Well, that's that's absolutely clear. Um, but I didn't know that North Korea had said that today. Because I would think that if they had a... Just if they, yeah, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? We got nukes. What you get a... Yeah, exactly. And plus, it would, be a point, it would be a point of pride to bring, like, a, capital, a capitalistic country to its needs. Yeah, but also... Right. But for them also to go... If you even release it, don't forget 9-11. Like, that seems like something a kid would say. Yeah, it is. It is a very easy sort of push button. So Sony's being... Sony's basically letting a bunch of kids dictate. Yeah, but how else do you do that? How else do you... Wait, so you're in favor of the... Of them not releasing it. I, I'm not necessarily in favor of them not releasing it, but I don't know how their position is tenable. If if they're, if these hackers who have shown that they have power um, to a certain extent have, are also threatening violence, what recourse does but what proof does is Sony there? have? But there's no proof of that. There's just proof that the hackers have power, and so that they can do. They have power to hack. That's all they've proven. All right, that is all they've proven. So, the, do they it's actually different. need to show you it's actual like, violence? I mean, what is so? No, what is, what is a company that has liability for those theaters supposed to actually do if if violence is threatened? I mean, if there's if, if somebody calls uh, if somebody calls my kid's school and 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 does a bomb threat, then the school is vacated. It doesn't matter if if there's there's no proof that that's happened before. They go if you have a home near a theater. You might want to leave. Like, okay, so basically that's how big the scope is, what you're talking about. Like, not only not releasing the movie, but, like, if you live near a movie theater. Well, what are they supposed to do? If, if, you're, if, you are, if you're given that level of threat, and I understand what you're saying about cowardice, and I agree with you. But what I'm trying to say sort of in a devil's advocate kind of way are what are those executives supposed to do if, if that level of threat is levied? Are they supposed to ignore it? Um, yeah, they should. They should ignore it, and then if because it's a police matter, isn't it? There's bomb threats every day on airlines, and the, and most they inspect the plane and go, all right, there's nothing, and then the plane flies. Right. Okay. I mean, what are the is the implication that like, oh, you got to they could have a dirty bomb based on all this, like just based on one email. I have no idea what. I think it's an empty threat, as you do. It's totally- I, mean, I, I honestly do, but mm-hmm. I I don't and, know and- what. I don't know what the what the suits who are in charge of of making money and in charge of the liability of their company are are reasonably expected to do in this case when you have this put it out there and go you know what we made this movie and we feel we stand behind it we stood behind it and we greenlit it uh, that's changed suck a dick <laughs> see it if you want to see it don't see it if you don't want to see it all right make a movie I, making fun of us this is I, called art this is called fiction. I actually like your your response that uh, that Obama was even like, "What? You guys aren't going to put it out, really?" Uh, well, I like your response. <laughs> I think I think I think "suck a dick" is a decent response. It is. I mean, come on, what over? Yeah. So I don't think they get the movie because the movie's about two dumbasses trying to do something stoned. Right. But they objected to the orgies or something. That's what I'm saying. It's all retarded. Nothing. Nothing is weighted correctly. Like, too big a deal is being made about the wrong things. Let's put the movie out. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, so, uh, speaking about movies coming out. Um, Did uh, I win you over? What'd you say? Did I win you over? Or you yeah. Just, I was yeah, like, you totally won me over when you said suck a dick. Because I think, 
<laughs> I think that saying that kind of thing, I think responding in the spirit of the movie uh, would have been an appropriate thing to do. Instead of taking it so seriously and raising the threat level, if if everybody – if the executives had responded in the style of Seth Rogen and James Franco and said, as you just said um, – uh, okay, suck a dick. That's what the movie's about, too. I know, I know it exactly <laughs> it's is. Keep it, but I think if you if you treat it in that way, and then all, you know, do whatever requisite security enhancements you're going to do, um, then I, I think that that makes a certain amount of sense. I, you know, you actually you you actually make a you make a certain amount of sense when you say if we just deal if we just uh, like deal with it like a fly on our arm and flick it off, right. like, oh, suck a dick. And and then move on because what's the most damage they could do? I mean that you kind of make a good point. Yeah, what are they gonna do? Not hack? Like, but, all right, they caved in. Well, like, I mean, I, what I was saying is that I, I understand the trepidation of the suits, but I also think that there's a, a there is a fair amount of. Uh, I get it too, but now's your chance to like, okay, so they hacked you and like exposed your like, you know, emotions. Okay, right. so now you rise. You go, all right, fuck you. Hack this, bitches, and then like publicly email. We're releasing the interview. Hey, North Korea, if you're hacking this, suck dick. Yeah, that's it. You've won. You've conquered it. You've letterman it. <laughs> all right, I like. I, I want to put you in charge of this now. I love the way that you responded to this, Kelly Wand. Very yeah, well. They don't worked hard on that movie. Get screwed. You know, I don't know. No, they don't. They still get paid. The uh, the only people who aren't are not uh, are the people who have back end stuff. The people who worked on the room. movie are not getting screwed. They've gotten their money. We get screwed because we don't get to see it. Like I was, I gotta tell you, whatever is going on with the interview, I doubt not seeing it, it constitutes us getting screwed. <laughs> I can't imagine it's any good other than seeing uh, what's her name, Lizzie. Um, Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan, um, who looks totally hot in the in the trailer. Uh, I I can't imagine That's there's anything in that movie. Let me that's going to make me feel not screwed by not seeing it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's it's. Watch. What'd you say? Did you see trailers for it? Yeah, it because it looks watch trailers. Oh God. I don't, but but I we were inundated by them, yeah, I so I, I was only able to. Uh, avoid so many of them and it doesn't look like it looks like it's going to be horrible Mm, it doesn't look like the kind of movie I don't know like based on all this happening now I really want to see it like let's see (laughs) what if it's the funniest movie ever made um, I will bet you dollars to donuts. It's not the funniest movie. Ever. Uh, it's. Yeah. I bet it's. It does not. I bet. I bet you. I will bet you. You. It does not rise to the level of Pineapple Express and not even close. Yeah. It probably doesn't even get to this is the end, which I didn't even like, but you did. Yeah. I maybe I oversold it. But when Jeepers Creepers came out, there was like an earthquake <laughs> in the movie. Like a super major earthquake, like as they as they're about to go in the tunnel, and uh, they cleared the theater out, and the front end was like, "All right, get the fuck out of here." It's like in Century City with all skyscrapers. I'm like, no, we got to see what's in the tunnel. Like, I was willing to risk my life to like see the rest of the movie, even though I think the earthquake was trying to do me a solid in that instance because it kind of goes downhill after the tunnel part. Wow. But I'm saying I can't be trusted, probably. All right. There's a power outage when I went to see the movie. I think it was Steel Dawn. Oh, yeah. uh, wait. Steel Dawn, the tank movie? Uh, I think so. 
Is that the one you're talking about? Or am I getting mixed up another movie? No, I'm, I might be getting mixed up. It was like a guy with steel arms who fights. Steel Todd. Uh, I might be getting the name wrong. Anyway, speaking of getting the names wrong, uh, we're going to move on to the movie we actually right. saw this week. What's wrong with me? Sorry. So much um, going on, Dingus, in the movie world. So uh, we're not doing any spoilers yet, so you don't need to run away. Uh, let me uh, remind you of what movie we saw this week. Oh, yeah. um, so this week we saw the movie Inherent Vice, a 2014 American crime comedy drama movie about the vagaries of maritime insurance. It was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, based on the Thomas Pynchon novel of the same name. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Josh Brolin, Catherine Waterston, Joanna Newsom, and Hong Chow. There's a lot of hrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
She said something expository about Eric Roberts, the eyes in her face glitting like a pair of emeralds sprinkled in a mound of whipped cream so voluptuous even Richard Dreyfus couldn't sculpt it into something unfuckable. As the scene wound on, some music started playing in the background, a soundtrack of period music with lyrics that were like a different pair of emeralds sprinkled. From the year 1999. Attention, all white man! Oh, jeez. Do not adjust your internet! Or we shall be forced to use 9-11 on you! If you own property, leave it now! This is not a joke! But if it was, we would still sound like this. Upset! We have hacked your internet because we are upset by your racist portrayal of noted entertainment critic Tom Chick in an Australian accent. If you are listening to this podcast, North Korea considers you its enemy. If you are North Korean, you consider yourself your own worst enemy. As punishment for listening to this interruption, we shall now hack and read aloud a private email from Tom Chick to Sony Pictures, whom we wish to thank for their movie, Transformer, Revenge of the Fallen. We found this film very entertaining. Thank you, Sony. <laughs> you kind of said like Edith at the end there. Thank you, Sony. Thank you, Sony. Normally, we find sight of American flag nauseate us. But in this movie, Archie, it is very tastefully handled. But playtime over again. <laughs> I couldn't understand what that meant for a second. Sorry. No worries. The North Koreans said. This hack from Tom Chick we will now read aloud is dated August 6, year 2010 or 2011. Hard to tell. Our hacker has virus. He say, email from Tom Chick. Drinking cider just made me lose StarCraft game. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking about. Shut up! <laughs> Do not interrupt, hack. Or you also will receive 9-11, dingus. Then there's icon of man face burping in provocative and suggestive manner. Email signed Tom. The North Korean people will not stand for such insult. As exchange, we shall be publicizing this email on next 9-11, so please be patient. Thank you. Also, big shout-out to CBS Television for the TV show MASH. Only watched season one so far, but very funny. Authority figure make very compelling comic foils. Dingus question. <laughs> Shut up, Dingus! North a, mass, Korea. a mass joke, wow. <laughs> North Korea hopes this hack... I know, it's 2014. <laughs> hopes this hack will lead to new period of creative freedom, but more significantly to period of understanding and racial harmony and the Christmas spirit, which is something all nations agree on, because it should be Jingle Bell, not Jingo Bell. Understand? Thank you for subscribing, and in all seriousness, one more offense, and we will nuke Winnetka, our face of globe. Goodbye. And then she's all, you like eating pussy, white man? <laughs> oh, Jesus. God. Uh, yours or Phyllis Diller's? The hot Asian chick was all, mine. I was all, uh. Well, do you know I can get in touch with her? No offense. 
The lady went on to scream that the day's special was the Master Chen's Dragon Lady, Alphaville, Pussy You Can Eat, Smorgas, Bonsai, Hermosa Beach location for two buku and no shirty, although the dame was playing with loaded knockers, since from what I heard, the Bakersfield location has similar deals, plus they finally solved their volcano problem. Eventually, after she whispered I should be wear the pearl necklace, I took the bat to the <laughs> Puck 90. But when I came to... Look like the day, but also thrown in an office full of Brolin, free of charge. I may have been the one with mutton chops, but his nickname was Wolfman, or Bigfoot, whatever notebook. <laughs> Chapter 2. Yes, there are chapters. When I came to again, my tongue felt like an old man's ass full of barbed wire, like a caged beast hopped up on pita bread with the emerald sprinkles. After I dropped out of a cult with Owen Wilson and got Reese Witherspoon to watch an infomercial with me, it turned out the fact that I worked out of a dentist's office with 2000's SNL Alan Maya Rudolph and 90's SNL Alan Martin Short was also a dentist wasn't a conspiracy or a coincidence. It was a conspiradence. <laughs> I decided to smoke weed and not think about it. It's how I solve all my cases, and best of all, this was my first case. Like a cat with a hammer destroying a maze, I found a postcard on my door. It was a picture of SeaWorld or something, but it reminded me of that time Shailene Woodley and I were so out of weed, our dealer was our Ouija board, who told us to go have sex by a chain-link fence. The fucking was cool, but I still think weed would have made it a little better. I tried explaining this to her afterwards, but she said something like, Not now. Women. Always procrastinating. That Ouija board went on to become one of the most successful dealers on the West Coast and was eventually the subject of a biopic starring Al Pacino that people always quote whenever they're about to introduce their squirrel. Chapter 3. The night was fixed chapter titles later. But luckily my girlfriend had shredded her credit card and stuck the remains in one of my sandals, plus the cuffs were unlocked, and the loaded gun he'd put in my pocket also helped. I went home, called my carpenter to thank him for fixing my front door, and then wrote my maid a note asking her to empty my ashtray. Then Brolin came over. When I came to, a newspaper was all, North Korea <laughs> declared savior of Hobbit's Christmas box office. <laughs> I turned to the Korean nine-year-old sitting beside me and go, what about the opening of Full Throttle? He's all, I'm from Michigan. The end. Wow. Eh, no. Nice. Just want to get on with it. Thank you, sir. Uh, was this a was this a tough one to write? Nah, I was kind of I didn't just didn't get around to it till a little too late. No, it's not that. It's just that it's so dense. Um, I oh, was wondering. This is the movie. Uh. Um. Nah, it could have been a better opsis for how good the movie. No, no, was. I'm not complaining about the opsis. I'm wondering about as I watch a movie, um, because of the nature of. Uh, how much I, I, you know, part of it is that I, I really, really, I love you as a writer. I mean, obviously, um, but part of it is is the nature of how watching movies has cha- it changes when you're a critic, and yeah. the nature of our show is one, you know, the main thing people come here for is to hear you do that, and so as I sit. And watch a movie. I often wonder: Is this going to be difficult for Kelly? Is this going to be easy for him? What kind of take is he going to do on it? And I wondered, as you were watching *Inherent Vice*, if that was if if there was consternation for you because it's a fairly complex, thick, intricate. It's lush. Yeah, I don't know that it, it is, and I kind of want to talk well, about it feels that. Like it. 
Well, I used to worry about that stuff and like, oh, I better pay attention because I got to write anopsis later and they're going to ask me how I feel about the movie or what I think about it. Jesus. But then over time, I've realized that the less I pay attention, the more in the opposite it feels like creative choice. Like, uh, so I zoned out for 20 minutes. So, But you still remember so many things. And, and that's why whenever in this movie they were talking about how uh, guys who smoke pot can't remember anything, all I could think of is like, Kelly has an incredible memory. Well, and for, so does this character in the movie. Like, he's a pretty competent P.I. Right, exactly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sagan used weed. Like, it affects... Every drug affects everybody differently, and so I kind of—I am a sucker for movies about productive stoners because I can, like, it's definitely helped my work. I think. Yeah. But I wasn't. What was your question? Uh, my question right now is—is is, uh, how do you feel about inherent vice? Uh, that's the other thing too. Okay, so as you know, I'm a weed enthusiast. Um, I'm not really. Like, I, when I was a kid, I always kind of assumed we weren't supposed to understand private detective movies, which is what kind you, of Wait, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Because, like, The Big Sleep is, like, super dense and complicated, and, like, supposedly Chandler, like, they asked Chandler, like, wait, who killed the chauffeur? And, like, he didn't know. Right. Like, they're so, it's all about kind of the pattern, the rhythms. Okay, good. You're not supposed to give a shit about, like, Right, it's not it's not necessarily a who done it. Right. It's but it's, uh, no it's, it's, a, it's a how did we get there or where are we going? It's not really a who done it. Yeah, and it's more of a mood piece, I think. So there, it took me yeah, a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And so I, I was never quite sure, and I was always a little puzzled about private detectives as a kid, like what how legal they were, and, that, and they all have to be period pieces now because the internet sort of replaced what people used to hire private detectives for. Like now you'd go, oh, I'm a Maltese Falcon, and you would just type it into Google. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if you are. Are you interchanging the word private detectives with film noir? What are you doing right now? Um, because there's plenty of private detective things. I mean, you, I mean, look at Magnum PI, for instance, that are completely, I mean, see through. I mean, you see movie. The beginning, many, middle, and end. I mean, there's plenty of private detective movies that are procedurals, um, but we're talking about film noir private detectives. Right and yeah, and also I should I should mention I didn't read the Pinchon novel. This is based on. Well, I didn't either. I've never read any of his stuff. Have you? I've only read V, and I didn't get it. And I read, but I read it when I was like eleven. All right. Well, that doesn't matter. I, my understanding is that. But maybe that matters. A, this is a fairly say uh, a fairly um, faithful adaptation. But again, that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't really it feels matter like to me. kind of thing. Uh, it it feel it felt like to me I I just kept I I kept forgetting that Tom Thomas Pynchon that it was based on a novel and I was just thinking that Paul Thomas Anderson came up with this and I just kept thinking where is he coming up with these names um, and and it, it, I mean but but back to my question did you do you like it I liked it but I don't I don't know if I understood it like I didn't I don't think I understood the ashtray stuff what do you mean it's the ashtray stuff? character. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why he planted the drugs on him and then drove off. That confused me. Okay. <laughs> so, but I'm kind of a buffoon. Um, but I think some of that is deliberately confusing. Right. I, mean, I think that they are making a thick mesh, almost like a trammel of of these things that are just 
like layers upon layers upon layers so that we understand this isn't a whodunit. This is, like you said earlier, like a mood piece or a character piece that we're we're following this character through this journey that he's going through. And whatever happens to him happens to him, but it's the journey that's the point of this movie. And I think yeah. that I think that and perhaps this is the way the book is written, I don't know, but I think that that the it's almost deliberate the way like names are being thrown. Oh, well, then, then there's this guy. Oh, I know that guy. Or oh, there's this guy. I have no idea who that is. Well, here's another name. Here's another name. Here's another name. I think that they're just throwing those things in, in almost a deliberate way to make us make us force us to to sit back and do what you did naturally. Is that pay attention to the mood, pay attention to the character, pay attention to the journey. Don't pay attention to where we're going as an endpoint. We'll get there. Right. Um, I think and, that's really the point of the movie. And the fact that there's a lot of really good throwaway lines in the movie. And yeah. so you, you don't really get those unless you, you really enjoy painting in the corners, like like Paul Thompson ah. obviously does. Yeah. So I kind of assume that the rigging is intact, even though I feel like a foreigner. Ooh, I like the way you put that. Yeah. Ship. Yeah. Because the throwaways are good. So I go, well, if he's doing, if he's nailing the hard stuff, that's hard to do. <laughs> I'll assume the stuff I'm not understanding is supposed to be obfuscatory for creative reasons. And mostly I liked it. Like, it had a good buggy rhythm. I don't know if... I did see trailers for this movie. I got the sense from the trailers that Joaquin Phoenix's character was really dumb and really stoned. And then the movie, in the cut that we saw, he didn't seem either. Like, he didn't seem stoned enough, maybe. No, he's... People call him that. Right. But but I think they have... He's doing a Columbo. Um, it's not like that, but I think that the people who are saying that have an understanding or a fear that he's smarter than they are. Yeah. I mean, I think that's Bigfoot's basic fear. Right. And I think that's, uh, you know... With justification. Well, yeah, exactly. I think that most of them fear that, but they, they try to belittle him. But that's also indicative of that time period. Right. Uh, you know, that sort of, like, let's denigrate hippies and beat them up. Uh, which is not something that I'm used to seeing in movies. That sort of or hippie private eyes is something I'm not. We're not used to seeing in movies. Well, that's uh, that's what's fascinating to me, and I'm glad you brought up Big Sleep a little while ago because because Big Sleep is one of my favorite movies. I I honestly watch it once uh, once a year, once every two years. I love that movie so much. I can watch it again and again. And what's fascinating to me to watch that kind of—I mean, film noir is really in my wheelhouse. So, so watching this, I, I really, really like this movie. But, but part of it is because I so groove on film noir, and I think that the, this movie is really I do too. going for that sort of. In, you know, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is kind of doing a—I uh, don't know, maybe a Coen Brothers take on it. Sort of, I don't know what he's doing, but he—he's—he's—he's he's, he's stretching in a different way, and he's really doing this 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 reach for this weird film noir um but but in a different era and he's not bringing it into the modern era he's bringing it like a step past to a, a new generation past the big sleep and one of the things that i think is most interesting to me and what i wanted to ask you about and i think you've kind of already answered this is that um movies like the big sleep and maltese falcon um the drug of choice is alcohol. Uh, they're constantly drinking. Uh, drinking is a very – I mean the very first scene in The Big Sleep has uh, Philip Marlowe going into this rich guy's hot house and drinking the guy – I think it's brandy or whatever 
a very expensive alcohol that the guy has because the guy can't indulge, but he wants to watch him do it. Then he goes into this rare bookshop and he gets together with the woman who runs that place by he and he has a he has a bottle of rye in his pocket and but alcohol is constant through those movies and this in this generation is drugs um you know specifically pot but then we run into some other drugs later on so it's interesting to me that those those early film noir that i am so enamored of use alcohol this one uses drugs so Alcohol is to big sleep as drugs is to inherent vice. And I'm wondering what that does to the characters and story in both movies, or in, in or specifically in this movie. How do the drugs affect that, and if you have an opinion on that? Uh, that's an interesting observation. Because in, the, because in the big sleep, his fugues are kind of alcohol-like in nature, and he goes to casinos, and he has conversations that you would have on alcohol, and in this, it does feel like a drug trip, and he's in tears, like, wait, did I miss something? And that was weird when that guy said, how are you doing? Pleasurable? Like, <laughs> things you notice when you're stoned is sort of how, but it also helps make connections, too. And that's how his character seemed to be, like, figuring shit out. As well, opposed to Big Sleep, where it's sort of like, he's using alcohol as camouflage. Like, hey, get them drunk, and I'm drunk too, and then I can, like, I think better drunk, and then they'll be loosened up, and I can, like, pump them for information. And he's like that kind of a dude. That's interesting, your term, alcohol's camouflage. It's very interesting. Because you're a private detective. Well, like that well, world. What's fascinating to me about that is that while alcohol might camouflage him, the drugs I'm, – I'm wondering how much of this is – there's this weird like voiceover thing that's going on where she says something about ESP for – Dope or ESP. Dope or ESP. And then there's also this, this question of, of what is hallucination and what is not. So it's camouflage of the world as opposed to camouflage of yourself. Um because I wonder what he's hallucinating and what he's not, and he wonders that too, and he wonders what others are hallucinating too. I mean, you see him writing stuff like that down, right? And he's up against people who are all about brainwashing, right? Right, so. exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, I mean, do you have a, do you have an opinion on what are there moments in this movie that you think are hallucination, um, and moments that you think are not? are real uh, does this movie break down for that like that for you because i mean we have that early thing where that there's that that television commercial mm-hmm. and he says bigfoot and he imagines it's his friend in this huge afro doing that commercial right oh see that confused me it confused I... me too but what you have to look <laughs> at is while he's looking at the tv he goes bigfoot and so i'm right. thinking his friend the policeman's yeah, also real the other guy yeah right um, and sure. so then you you have a, a couple different scenes that are so they have similar voices. Yeah, yeah wearing, at least wearing a cowboy hat. So you're like, wait, what? Am I baked? So yeah, well, that's what he has to wonder. Right. He has to wonder how much of this is real, including that scene where Bigfoot slams down the door. Um, even the the moment um, Shasta comes in, yeah. and she she appears, her right. you know the moment she appears, it's like she's an apparition. She's just there. There's there's no knocking at the door. There's no sound of a key at the door. She's just there in the yeah. room, and she's and acting weird, and she's acting weird. She's acting according to sort of maybe 
his fantasy of yeah, her. And she even so. says to him, he, right. he says, is that you, Shasta? And her first words to him are like, he thinks it's a hallucination. And so I'm wondering, like, is she real? How much of this is real? How much of, of this does he understand is real? Um, but as, as, you know, the way he structures his brain doesn't matter because he's still solving the case. Well, if that feels real, I'll take it. Yeah. I think it's his take. But he does solve the case. The movie I was thinking of, too, during it, was for comparison, because you mentioned Coen Brothers, was Big Lebowski, obviously. But, yeah. like, Jeff Bridges' character in that, he's not even a PI, as far as I can tell. He's just a total slacker. And he drinks and does drugs. And he kind of bumbles his way. He's sort of reacting throughout the whole movie. It wasn't right, this Joaquin right. Phoenix is, like, actually digging, like... Right, that's why I would think of Joaquin Phoenix's character of Doc. Doc is more of a Philip Marlowe, right? But just in a different generation. But he gets lucky a lot too, which is also sort of a drug thing. It's like drug stoners kind of believe in karma a little better. It's like, oh, I, everything feels like it's somehow you're on this roulette wheel. And so when he runs into Owen Wilson at the cult up north. <laughs> well, every time, every, every time he runs into Owen Wilson, and, and, and he keeps, you know, there, I love that you said that because every time he hears the words, uh, the, the name Wolfman, yeah. or as he calls it, Wolfman, and he himself looks like Wolverine, right. Right. Um, he gets this look on his face like, again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how it is. But it's like Marlowe's worldview is different because he's colored it's colored through alcohol lenses so it's like oh yeah that's a that's a good point he's following his nose as it were yeah and, and a cocaine public private investigator movie would be all machine guns probably well this movie adventures into that territory for a minute and that's when i didn't like it i didn't care for that martin short no, oh, no in when it, when he goes in the office and they're all snorting cocaine and it becomes this weird, like, um, frenetic. I didn't care for that. It didn't do anything for me. It, because this movie does sort of for me border on that junkies are tedious kind of a thing. When it goes into the PCP or the cocaine or the harder drugs, I mean, I I I tend to think of those, and this is just my prejudice. I tend to think of those drugs as different from a guy who just who. You know, smokes pot, even if he does so all day long. I I tend to think of that drug use as different from cocaine. Well, it is, but I think that's what's going on in that scene. And also, he you now you're he, like that scene showing like here's the '80s guy, like yeah. where he would be in 1970, and he that guy gets gets killed. That guy's the buffoon because cocaine fucks you up, man. <laughs> I do not know that. Uh, oh, so what I wanted to ask you about, there's this moment, uh, you know, when he's smoking, is every time he's smoking, is he smoking cigarettes sometimes too? Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, that's what I thought was going on. It's still noir. There's this, uh, very good. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's sort of the linking mechanism. I think about um, Philip Marlowe smoking cigarettes and lighting cigarettes for Lauren Bacall's character and all of those things. Um, but there's this moment where he's writing a wish on the zigzag paper. On the roll yeah. paper, yeah. you remember he, he he's got the wrapper and he writes like a like this this like little it's wish like, like yeah. And then he rolls and then he rolls the the joint or the cigarette. I don't know what he was doing at that particular time. I just remember him writing a wish on it, rolling it inside, and then lining it up. Is that a thing? Do you know? I've never done it. 
because you're smoking it anyway, and you're usually wishing for weed. So it's, I know, but but it's self-defeating. Is, but but I wondered if it was this this some sort of like weird like religious like not religious, but I just assumed it was just his thing. It's just his thing. Okay, all right. I didn't he has know, a keyboard too. I didn't know if writing on the inside of like your roll paper was a thing. He's a private investigator with a Ouija board, and <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, but his office is in the dentist's office. But the dentists are part of it. No, his offices are are in a. He's a doctor. I don't know what his, because he's got his feet in like the stirrups at one point. Oh, so he's no, a gynecologist. I, I don't know what his his degree is. But in. he has the. I thought because he had the oxygen mask on, he was a dentist too. Yeah, well maybe. I don't know. Or is he a doctor of investigation? Is he a forensics doctor? He might be, or he might just be referred to as Doc because he's Doc. I don't know. I mean, he walks into his office that first time, and I love that. Uh, is it Maya Rudolph? Who's yeah, it is. I love her in there. But he she walks sells past him out the, instantly. Jesus. Oh, she she's so funny when she does things, and they're like, oh, I love their interplay. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix. He's he's really good at this. Oh, he's so good. He's so good at reacting and being with other characters in this. He's so good at his at react. What are your favorite? Do you have any like favorite Joaquin Phoenix moments in this movie? When she walks in, but only because I felt like he was acting. Like, oh, she's she's back in the movie. Yay! What's gonna happen? Yay! When she walks in, uh, Catherine. What's oh when when Shasta comes back? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I liked that. I liked the Reese Witherspoon scene. I liked their interplay. Um, I mean, it's a lot of cameos. I liked the Martin Short thing too, just because it was different, and they also proved it was like an important link. Um, the cult stuff was a little confusing because it seemed like it was we were supposed to be taking that seriously, which seems like the cult stuff. What do you mean? Like when you see the biker. Uh, uh, all right, all right. With the hood, you're we're supposed to go. Oh, dude, no way! Oh my God, it's that guy. All right. Like, is am I? If we watch. Is it that kind of movie now? Like, I'm supposed to be surprised by actual coincidences, right? As opposed to good times. Ouija <laughs> boards, bitch, getting it done. Like, there's no, there's a lot of non callbacks too. Like Eric Roberts' character. Just gets that one scene, right? Um, and Robin Wright too, right? And they're all good scenes. You go, oh, who's going to be left? Robin Wright. Like, what are you talking about? Isn't that Robin Wright? In the uh, isn't he? She the wife? The wife of who? Um, Eric Roberts. No, that's not Robin Wright. I don't know who it is. I, I can't remember who it is, but it's not Robin Wright. She's all muscly. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. She's like, "How do you feel about the lighting?" That that thing. That's not Robin Wright. No, it, it absolutely is. Not. I always it get her mixed be. up with Margot Robbie. No, it's it's totally somebody else. That's not Robin Wright. All right. I can see where you would see that though. My favorite scene with uh, my favorite. I think my favorite scene, and it's weird, uh, and it goes over the top a little bit. Is his scene? Is his first scene with Jenna Malone, with uh, with Hope. The mother of Amethyst. Um, when they're oh. sit- when they're sitting there talking, and she's describing meeting, uh, meeting the guy in the bathroom. He's like, 
And she's like, and then the, the uh, further complication, <laughs> was- had a hard on, and and Walking Phoenix is like, oh sure, yeah, yeah. And then she shows, she's like, oh, yeah. here's a picture of our daughter Amethyst, and as it turns out, you know, the heroin was going through my breast milk. She gives it to him, and he looks at it, and he screams. Yeah. And it's this weird. I mean, it's this weird thing that happens. Uh, he screams, and then he immediately composes himself, and then he goes back to being an investigator. And she doesn't react. She doesn't react. It's this weird sort of uh, surreal moment, and there's a there's a lot of this sort of that spoiled me for the trailer. Um, oh, it was in the trailer? Yeah. See, yeah. makes your makes your point. Um, but there's 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 some slapstick in this movie. There's mm. there's uh, I mean there's that standard like brutality to the uh, to the lead investigator guy who's that's that's a noir thing when he's like chained to that pole um and i put that scene in particular the scene with jenna malone when when she's pointing out her teeth and talking about and 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 he's just basically just reacting to her he's reacting to everything she's giving him and that picture when he screams at that picture i was just i i was so taken with what joaquin phoenix was doing in that scene he's just listening and going along with the going along for the ride and that's so generous for a star of his magnitude to be doing that with you know and jenna malone's a good actress um but it's just great to see him doing that it made me want to see other takes just out of curiosity yeah me too i mean it's it would just be so weird to be sitting there and going and hearing what paul thomas anderson says to him it's like or maybe slip it in pictures of stuff like this will make him uh, yeah yeah exactly that's a great that's a great point yeah Um, that's a great point but that scene was making me uncomfortable and nervous because i was worried she was she was talking about how fake her teeth were a lot and i was worried she was going to pull her teeth out yeah i was i was i was getting nervous about that (laughs) no don't please don't gross me out anymore right now his scream was too much for me already (laughs) my imagination did too much um especially right after joshua E babies on the mind, thanks to you, Dingus. Sorry about that. I I apologize. That's and Exodus, creepy babies. Um, uh, the one more thing I wanted to ask you is that uh, one of the things I love about um, this kind of movie is the language in it. And I wanted to ask if you had any thoughts about that, like the language, either the usage of it or the imagery of it, what they were doing with language in this movie. Because usually with film noir, it it kind of has its own pattern. Yeah, well, no, it was all of a piece, and it was also happening rapidy tap, which is like like Big Sleep, which I liked, except it was set in 1970, which is like a time period where you picture kind of everybody drawing. Yeah. Um, it was the kind of thing where everyone talked that way, like everyone's talking super fast. But since he's stoned, it's, you can you can justify that it just seems like that all the time, and regardless, right? Um, but uh, or are you talking about like the private detective, like cop, and like he slipped me a Mickey? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that kind <laughs> of thing. I mean, what I think the movie there's a lot more '70s hippie talk. Like th- there's this moment where um, where uh, Benicio del Toro has come in, yeah. which which immediately yeah. made me think of Fear and Loathing. Yeah, um, I thought it was a prequel. <laughs> Although I don't know if those dates sync up. I like that very. It's because he looks younger in this. <laughs> I like that. He very talks much. all clearly. 
Yeah, I like to scare. I think we're supposed to make that leap. I think Paul Thomas Anderson probably made it. Yeah, it's, at, it's at first I found it a little off-putting because there's you know all the drug stuff will immediately make you. It would have been even more off-putting, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the, but there's this moment where um, where uh, where Bigfoot says, "I'm going to give, I'm going to kick you. I'm going to give you the kick." Or whatever he says, yeah. and um, and and and, uh, and Benicio de Toro's character, which I think is his name, he's a lawyer named Smilax, um, says, "Well, that would be assault." And <laughs> and Doc says, "It's police lingo. It means he's going to cut me loose." Oh, I also liked when Jonah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Jonah from uh, Veep. <laughs> I forgot that he was in this. <laughs> yeah, he picks his nose. And he says something like, you're a private investigator or we're the FBI or something. <laughs> or he says, yeah, we're in the same line of work. And then Jonah goes, there's no need to be insulting. <laughs> that was awesome. That and it was, was a throwaway because awesome. then the conversation's about something else in two seconds. But I love that point. <laughs> and there's a lot of that. Uh, what did you think about the voiceover? Because there's a couple of voiceover moments that I were a little it's from the book. Because it's from a book, so it I'm just must assuming, be. I always assume voiceover is like the prose, and she's the Greek chorus. Because that character uh, also yeah. kind of winds up not. He has a driver. Like he doesn't need her. He already has plenty of assistance. Right. T.S. But is she like in his head or what? Because she has. She's privy to information that she shouldn't be. Well, and she's watching him go off with his girlfriend to go get weed like approvingly like oh you two kids like a girl would do that and they actually end up blaming her for that yeah (laughs) there's this weird thing she says where where she's describing she's describing shasta's facial expressions uh, early on and she's what'd you say from his point of view right yeah from his point of view Uh, and she says this weird thing like um he, she was laying on some heavy combination of facial ingredients on him, which is just the weirdest combination yeah. of words. And it does sound like it must have been coming from inside his head. But why he's using her as a mouthpiece? Uh, yeah, just, she has such a great face too. Yeah, there's that one shot of close up of her face. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. She's interesting, but she's not in the movie very much. Why are you? Why are you letting me enjoy her? When you're distracting me, yeah, I'm exactly. see this person more. Right, uh, so you know. We both we both basically end up liking it, right? Yeah, I think a lot of movies I like are uneven. I think that's a word that I see applied to, right? Almost every movie that's not Toy Story two, but <laughs> I, cer- I certainly think I like it better than The Master. Um, yeah. And it's funny. It's genuinely funny, I think. It's also funny that the title deals with maritime law when the last (laughs) movie we saw was them on a boat for most of the movie. Yeah. And it's such a weird movie about this strange sense of inevitability in in maritime insurance law. I mean, it's such a weird choice for a title and and how that all comes out. Well, the Golden Fang, yeah, it's like a red herring almost by name right the way Maltese Falcon kind of was too right oh very good yeah very good it's being fake yeah and changing meaning and uh, but I did and I also liked that motif of like it's something for this like there's I think like 10 different characters say that don't they right right it's Etruscan for Easter Island statues (laughs) 
were you going to say? I was going to I was going to move us into over under. I was going to ask ah, uh, what you I bet think. our over's the same. I bet it isn't. Really? Uh, yeah. What is your over? My over's kiss kiss bang bang. I'm glad you picked that. I that was my that was my alternate. Yeah. Why did you pick kiss kiss bang bang? Because uh, I think it, kiss kiss bang bang is one of those perfect movies where like. Uh, I think it's the first movie I thought of when Inherent Vice started. Okay. Oh, so it's going to be the Kiss Kiss Bang. It's going to be Paul Thomas Anderson's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You, you know, and I didn't even think of it until later tonight. I, did, I, I mean, it honestly did not occur to me because I it's didn't. Not- I don't think I understood that. I think Paul Thomas Anderson is making a comedy here, um, and I think that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang nails that. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Labels to me are bullshit. They're a crutch, kind of, because a lot. Yeah. Of, um, like Eraserhead to me is a rom com. <laughs> Alright. You get down to it. But um I was also just trying to think of movies that I liked more than Inherent Vice of the genre, and there aren't that many, because I don't like Chinatown to me is not as good as my Inherent Vice. <laughs> wow. Maybe it's your over? That's me t- guessing. No, my my over is actually the movie Brick. Um Oh. I love and, that movie. And Brick doesn't even come close to bordering on comedy. It is certainly not that. <laughs> Um, but what I love about Brick and why I would put Brick over this movie is what what I was trying to get to when I was talking a little bit about language is that Brick creates its own language, its own pattern. It 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 totally goes uh, and, and it's you know I think it's is Ryan Johnson it's like a musical. It? Yeah, it it really is. It's like a, it, it it's like a musical. They they create their own language, mm-hmm. and it is very much in that it is so beautifully resetting the film noir idea into a into a, into a setting that we would not expect into a high school right. setting and just committing it commits to it totally. And as much as I like Inherent Vice, I don't know that it really commits to the film noir as much as it can because I think of the nature of of using drugs as almost a a, a transmission medium in some way. Um, Brick Brick is has such a commitment to making that film noir language of its own that uh, uh, I I am absolutely in love with that movie. So I would put Brick above. What, what would be your under? Actually, I like your choice. Like I agree with you because the thing about Inherent Vice is it has a pretty happy fucking ending. Yeah. For for a noir movie, and to me, noir movies should end like uh, what's that great one? The one with the thing in the case. Kiss me dead. No, no. Kiss me deadly. Yeah. Is it kiss me deadly? Yeah, kiss me deadly. Like kiss me deadly. Like noir movies should always have that kind of an ending. <laughs> if you're gonna, now that I'm go- gonna say labels, if you're gonna use that as a label, then you have to have that kind of ending. Ah, uh, well, well done. It's with fucking mermaids and pegasi. So, but that's cool. You know, yeah. I like. I, now it made me want to read the book, especially since it seems like an easier read than V, which was mm-hmm. exhausting. I thought um, I think I was too young for it. I've heard crying of a lot. Forty nine is good. I had no idea that the that the miniseries V was based on a Tom Pinchon movie, Iron Book. Uh, the remake's based on a Salinger. All right, good. What's your under for this movie? The Two Jakes. Oh my God, I've never seen that. Ah, it's the one about oil, I think. All right. Wait. Right? Two Jakes is the is, is the 
Two Jakes is the sequel to Chinatown, right? That Jack yeah, Nicholson, yeah. It's like, Jack Nicholson well, directed it. Right, right. It's like oil, water, and air were supposed to be the themes of the trilogy. And oh. Jake's was not enough of a hit to justify the Return of the King installment. All right. But, but it's not. It's just not that good. Um, like I, Chinatown to me is not as good as I don't know. I kind of zone out during Chinatown. It's weird because isn't that like one of Tom's perfect movies? Yeah, but is it? Well, that's one like of his. Yeah, I know, but I think it's got like two awesome scenes in it, and then there's scenes. There's a lot of scenes of people getting out of cars, which always bugs me. <laughs> seems like they're always doing that in, in 70s movies and in, also in 70s TV series like Charlie's Angels they're always getting out what, what we didn't talk about we didn't even talk about the filming style of Inherent Vice right. because it was filmed in 70 millimeter and it looks like it it looks like a film in yeah. fact uh, the person I saw it with is like is this movie going to flicker the whole time and then she realized oh it's it's in film so yeah it's going to and it is it's done that I'll way on purpose too. It's L.A., it's it's in period, it's done in 70 millimeter, and it is people getting in and out of cars constantly. Yeah, but it's yeah. not edited like a 70s movie. There's a lot of quick cuts. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's – well, there's also like a lot of like uh, scenes with like the camera on one person, then on the other person. Yeah. Then on one you – know, not a lot of two shots in some of those early scenes. In the trailer, there's where they're in the restaurant and Josh Brolin's t- like shouting at the cook and pigeon – Molto panicacu. Yeah. In the trailer, the reaction shot of Joaquin Phoenix goes on for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of looking forward to it. And then in the movie, they just does it for half a second. Right. Uh, I kind of love where that scene goes, even though it's it's kind of a cheap joke. No, it's a good scene. It's, uh, well, I love where the scene goes because of what he has to say about respect. Right. It's a fascinating scene. And he uses chemistry. You go, oh, he's really smart. He's not even like right. fucking smart. Like he's way smarter than you would have assumed. So my under for this would be the movie L.A. Confidential. <laughs> I really don't care for that movie. I don't think it understands noir. It, it just makes. It's not. I don't know. It's. I think it's supposed to be. I think it's. It I think it's pretending to be. It's about cops, though. Doesn't yeah. noir have to be about a private investigator? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's trying to. Cops are the bad guys in noir. Um, but I just think *L.A. Confidential*, while it tries so hard to nail its period, it just it lacks texture and one of the things i love about um inherent vice is that it has this great texture to it i mean the the production design is awesome but just the feel of the movie just it feels like that time period it feels a little greasy feels very smoky um it just has it doesn't feel glossy at all Uh, I, I love the way this movie feels. Feels from like when, Star Wars when they go into uh, to Chick Planet massage, to <laughs> uh, to the way the cars drive and the air looks and the smoke flies in his doctor's office. I love the texture of Inherent Vice. It's just it feels right. And LA Confidential to me, I tried to watch it. I've tried to watch it two or three times. It just doesn't feel. It doesn't. I just I, I when, of I, places when I'm saying yeah, exactly it's not just sense of place it's I'm rubbing my fingers when I say this because it's it's a it's a textural sense. But neither of us lived through the fifties. Yeah, but but 
it's it's like it's like the thickness of the paper that would be in that yeah. room, or or the, or the paper that he's rolling his cigar uh, his 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 joints with, or or any of those those things. The the doors, the walls. It, Inherent Vice just ha- just feels right to me. It feels weight the right weight and texture, and uh, and and um, LA Confidential never felt that way to me. I could never get into LA Confidential, but I could never get into Elroy or the fifties. Like I could never. I never cared about greasers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like a boring decade to me. But maybe I'm missing. But it, it had atomic bombs and Godzilla and shit. So I, should, I should like it. All right. Well, so we got that going. A lot of good us. movies. All right. So moving on, uh, we have we have discussed here advice. We've done our overs and unders. Now let's move on to our mini penny movie club palooza. Uh, our mini movie club, and I suggested a movie uh, based on having to watch Exodus, Gods, and Kings last week. I suggested we watch a movie called The Eagle um, <laughs> that uh, that uh, I kind of coer- I, I kind of went back and forth with Kelly on. I was like, are we going to watch Troy or are we going to watch Eagle? Kelly had never seen The Eagle before. Nope. Um, so I decided I really wanted to watch The Eagle again this week, and I wanted Kelly to watch it as well. So do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, who went first on the other thing? I have no idea. I know I, I spouted off immediately on Caveman last week. Well... But you were mad that I even made you watch it, and I liked watching The Eagle. Like, I'm glad you had me see it. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I loved it till a certain point of the movie. Oh. So do you want to go and then try and guess what that point was? Or um, I will go ahead and go and say I'm I am, uh, you know, the, the Eagle is a movie. I don't I I cannot for the life of me remember why I watched this originally. I think it might have been one of those suggestions that Netflix said, you're going to like this movie. And I'm a huge fan of Channing Tatum. I really like Jamie Bell. And I was like, I can't imagine what this movie is, but it's on Instant Watch, so I'll go ahead and watch it. And I was knocked out. It's directed by this guy named Kevin McDonald, um, who has directed uh, Touching the Void, um, Last King of Scotland, things that I you know, I didn't I stay things that I didn't necessarily pay much attention to, but uh, the Eagle, I am crazy. I was crazy, but I was, I watch it. It's one of those things that you just click on. And you think, well, this is just going to be pap. I'll be able to do other work while it's playing. And I watched it and I was just fascinated by, first of all, their chemistry. I mean, Channing Tatum's, I love Channing Tatum, but he should not be doing an English accent. So what he's when he's talking, this is a little painful. But but the moment he and Jamie Bell get together, their chemistry is amazing. It's this great medieval bromance kind of a thing. Um, and uh, and for that reason, and and plus it, it includes a, a period of history that I had no idea about. I had no understanding of this this wall and the and the. The, the Ninth Regiment and the Eagle being taken and, and and how Britain was on the other side of the wall and all of those things. I had no concept of that as as a historical idea. Um, and of course, this, this movie is from 2011, I think. Um, but I, 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 I watched it again this week, and as I watched it, I just sat there through the first hour of it just beaming uh, because I just, I so love their chemistry together and how 
Channing Tatum is just so earnest and he's trying so hard, even though he can't handle kind of the same things that Jamie Bell can handle. And I didn't know Jamie Bell could do this kind of thing. And he'd be so tough and, ah, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty crazy about this movie. Um, I was really glad you recommended it, and I was really excited when it started. Um, when I went, oh, it's about Romans. And I, I had a hunch that it was because you picked it for Moses. So I go, well, it's got to be about if it's called the Eagle and Diggis picked it. I kind of remember you talking about it. I kind of was digging the accents. Maybe because everyone was sort of doing it. And also I figured Channing Tatum is a Roman in Britain. So his accent would just sound weird. So since ah, they would be right. speaking Latin anyway, your brain goes, all right, well, since they're talking English, I'm going to assume it's an approximation of what people should sound like. And then when it's when the, that first attack happens, I go, oh, it's a siege movie. And I got excited in a dread way. Like, oh, he's the <laughs> one guy. He's like, I'm telling you, I heard fucking arrows out there. It's Shit's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> the attack happens, and it's like foolish courage, my favorite kind of thing. And then I'm like, oh, this movie's great. Dingus fucking rocks. And then Donald Sutherland comes in and <laughs> start going, uh, all right, well, all right, this is going to be like Gladiator, like he's going to get kicked out of the thing. Then they go on the quest, and I go, okay, wait, let's pick it up again. Good dingus, yay for dingus. Let's get a Lord of the Rings, just two dudes, impossible mission, let's get it. Get the fucking eagle, redeem dad. And then a character came into the story that I go, that was bad. I hope he's not back. And then at the end, he became way too relevant. Are you talking about Mark Strong? I think so, yeah. Is he the guy who went... Um, yeah, when I ran that day. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Mark Strong. How dare you not like Mark oh, Strong? Oh, How dare you? Stop. Wait a minute. Those guys... Uh, I will admit I felt bad for the kid that they made run all the way to the river with them and just uh, do that to him. <laughs> like if I was that kid, I would have been, oh, I'll just meet you guys there if, if that's what's planned. <laughs> but that fucking Legion, the whole Legion's still alive somehow, and Jamie Bell runs. How does he find them? Where have they been living? I hated that line when I ran that day. I was running for myself. That's so on the nose. Fuck that shit. Where have these guys been at? Why did they live? How did they live? What happens after the battle? Like, I so would rather have had... Because I was liking the chemistry, too. And I go, it's going to be a... Like, what was that movie with Rutger Hauer? Flesh and Blood. Oh, wow, yeah. Like, people keep getting the upper hand over each other, and I thought it was going to be kind of like that, even, maybe. Or just the two of them against the hordes. But no, fucking Mark Strong and his legion shows up. Boo! Weak. <laughs> Not as exciting. Because Channing Tatum's wounded, he's in the river. It's like, what's going to happen? Is he going to go down? No, no one's going to get this fucking eagle. Fuck you guys. No, here comes the fucking Mark Strong character. Maybe that's an hallucination and it's a taxi driver, what happened kind of thing. Uh, but, no, uh, no, no, they, you're right. I, I, I broke up violently with the movie at that ending. I think there is kind of a deus ex machina kind of a feel. And it wasn't a good battle compared to that first one where it's like the fucking shield porcupine. Oh, wasn't that awesome? Yes, it was great. I was like so invested. And like, God damn it. This battle's fucking. And like the shot, like the the coverage of it was great. Like you really look like, all right, it's an ocean of dudes versus that little tiny brave. Like this is what it felt like. This, like that, 
that period of history, what you were saying, like it's totally fascinating to me. People did that shit. Like that's I, the last time those tactics were useful. Yeah, but it was fascinating. It was like so well filmed, and I was and I was loving the Channing Tatum character. It was like, oh, he's the new guy at the place, and he's he's up there. It's what happened to his dad. But then the guy's wearing his dad's ring. No payoff. Like I thought, maybe oh, is that his dad? It's gonna be. Yeah, I thought that for a second too. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I just thought it lost its its jazz at that point. I think that's a fair criticism. I really do. I think you're right. I think that is a fair criticism because you wonder, you know, how are they going to get? How are they going to get out of this? And then he comes marching back, yeah. and it's kind of like, oh yay, but because uh. even Gladiator, there's that sort of fatalism thing, and it, it right. makes it feel like part of it. Like that's what these people valued. That then it's like the afterlife, and the, like it felt like that kind of a movie. And in this, they just he says that thing to the guy, like, he knows more about honor than you ever will. And then that guy fumes, and it's like, would that guy really have fumed? <laughs> and then they walk out like they're going to walk into 21 Jump Street. It's like, yeah, hey, hey, what's next? I don't know. Let's go, dude. Yeah. You decide. And then they don't say what the decision is. Like, is there a sequel about these characters? Or is there, let's go take the fucking Parthenon? <laughs> Give me something fun. Don't leave me hanging. But over, like, I loved that first battle so much that I feel like a dick. No, no, you don't have to feel like a third act. But that third act could have been fucking so much better. It could have been fucking Carl Urbaning. Yeah, it really could have been. Especially when you consider that they're gradually becoming more and more hobbled. There's one horse. Set up that. I don't trust that guy. And there's a fucking horde's coming. And it's like, what? The kid gets his throat slits. They're fucking. Yeah. Boo. Come on, Channing Tatum, take on the fucking army with your Roman badassness. Let's see it. He was doing it before. Right. Now the odds are even stronger against him. No, they're better. Boo. Boo. Lost his command. Oh. <laughs> it was such a great setup. Let me go back in time and rewrite the last 20 minutes of that movie. And it'll be the greatest action movie ever made. It'll be all battle. And he fights his way back to that fort. He's like, with, and then they don't come out. They do a fucking high noon on his ass. And so it's like, him and Jimmy Bell fucking have to. And then they know the porcupine. The Celts have learned it. So they got to, Channing Tatum's got to call a new play. <laughs> All right. What were you going to say? <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is that we've got, a, we've got a few listeners who wrote in. Mm. Uh, um, first of all, we've got Paul Weimer. Uh, the Eagle is to Centurion as the fall of the Roman Empire is to Gladiator. Oh, I haven't seen Centurion. I haven't either. Eagle proves that there are plenty of stories of the Roman Empire and the Roman world that have not been told that often, although it's been told twice, the other movie being Centurion. The movie is a patch on the books by Rosemary Sutcliffe, or so I'm told, but the movie is certainly entertaining enough even so. The early part of the movie feels like Roman Britain to me, and that's important. Mm-hmm. You should totally see Centurion one day, just as a comparison to this take on the movie. All it's right. a different story of the Lost Knight Legion and much more of a gore fest. Best regards, Paul. I wanted like a Werner Herzog movie, I think. From the opening of The Eagle, where it opens when they're in the, in the river and the fog lifts and you hear that music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what Paul Weimer's trying to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Dave Perkins is next. I did it. I watched the movie that you wanted us to see. 
the most earnest movie ever made. I was surprised by the number of teeth in Northern Britain. Rather than risk any further surprises, such as the son of the chief, the pain of war, he's just going to tell Channing Tatum the truth about his father while Channing's sword is buried in his guts, I stopped watching when the pair were fleeing on horseback with the eagle. So that ending would forever remain a delicious mystery. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. See? Look, Dave knew what to do. Um, Ronnie Mo. Wait, he means at the camp? Yeah, I guess so. Damn. That's cutting out pretty quick. All right. That's cutting uh, out before I cut out. Sorry. Did you? Next, we have Ronnie Mo. Uh, cheers, Tom, Chris, and Dingus, in order of the number of sighs produced in response to Prometheus. Wait, Chris uh, and Dingus? Tom, Chris, and I guess that would be Tom Kelly and Dingus. I'll, t- I'll take Chris. All right. You're, you're going to be Chris from now on. Um, uh, the Eagle, a Conan and Rome. Conan and Rome-inspired bromance. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this movie and liked what I saw well enough, but Channing Tatum looks about as much like a Roman as the army extras in Braveheart look like historical Scots. Eh, you know, just like a profile. Yeah. Patrician kind of thing. Uh, there were sequences and bits that were excellent. Character motivations, everything from the SEAL people camp, except for the actual escape, the long chase after the escape, and Tatum's injury hunger bit. Until all that mysteriously goes away when the enemy arrives. Other things, combat meh, general acting meh, story writing meh. Uh, should be combat. cut. Yeah, he, he didn't like the combat. He didn't like the first one? Yeah. The one we both Okay. I guess not. Tougher. Um, uh, should be cut last scene where they deliver the eagle. Most of Tatum's speaking parts. <laughs> uh, you didn't say that much, I thought. Overall, worth a watch. As a result of seeing The Eagle, I watched a few movies, Last of the Mohicans, King Arthur, Gladiator, to refresh my instincts about the over-under and general similarities over Last of the Mohicans. Uh, under King Arthur. Um, Gladiator. I, like King Arthur. I really liked King Arthur, actually. Yeah. Um, and the, the, uh, the cast is amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of like this movie. It's a good comparison actually yeah that is a, that is a good move that is a good point is the hot kelp um under king arthur all about the spirit of rome etc i'd say the eagle is better than this pretty much across the board mostly because the writing and conceits in king arthur is just horrible that said if you take out all the parts of the movie that didn't feature mads mickelson i think king arthur would be a better movie how can you take Mad, mads mickelson out of anything yeah. ronnie mo what are you talking about wait uh, he was merlin i don't remember Wait, Mark Strong though was. It's Clive Owen. Who's the who? Am I forget it. Ian Griffith, the Mister Fantastic, is Lancelot, right? right? Okay. I forget who Mads Mikkelsen plays. Well, Mark Strong's not in it. I'm being dumb on that. All right. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up. I'm thinking of Knight's Tale. I'm a dumbass. All right. Um, both <laughs> King Arthur and Gladiator have far more impressive combat combat choreography etc but the writing in the end i'd rather watch gladiator than the eagle but it's a popcorn and shut your thinking kind of movie so not really a fair comparison Gladiator is a good movie it's more than popcorn isn't it am i dumb what do i like gladiator too much like i know i watched gladiator again last week after seeing like the story uh it's fine it's just that uh, the ice Scott makes it freeze yeah. ah he's good that's back when he was still good i thought all right it was right before he jumped the shark. It was pre-shark jump. 
Uh, my contention is, having listened to the commentary back then, the commentary track of Gladiator, I don't think Ridley Scott understands what makes his Really? What's he say? He just he just makes a number of statements they're that dumb. it makes you think like somebody else is actually directing this movie, and they're just putting his name on it and letting him talk about it. Interesting. It seems like you don't really know what makes a movie work, do you? And then as we go forward, we find out, yeah, that's true. So, so anyway, maybe he got lucky. Maybe um, all of it was luck. Ronnie Mo says, "Take care and thanks for the great podcast." Uh, Ronnie. He's from Japan. Awesome. Yes. To answer your question from last week, wait, you've never seen Alien? Yep, I've never seen Alien. It's up next on my Oh, right. That was him. He's that guy who hasn't seen Alien. So he's never seen Alien. Uh, Finally, we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. I enjoyed the movie quite a bit up until the last 10 minutes or so when it lost me a little. See? I thought that Channing Tatum gave a good performance, and I liked Jamie Bell in his role as Asuka, which I enjoyed much more than his role as Tintin. <laughs> Chris. I really liked the SEAL people and the culture that was created for them in the movie. Where the movie lost me a tiny bit was the child being at the final battle. How early in the chase did the SEAL people send someone back to get the child so that they can get back to the group in time to make the point about portrayal to Asuka? Yeah, you're right. That doesn't make any sense logistically. Yeah, and why would they... That wouldn't... Like no, a- I, I would I would imagine what I was imagining, and I, and I didn't even remember that he would just bring his head out of a sack because that would be much easier. Like he'd carry yeah. his, his head with him, just to fuck with his head before the battle. Even right. There's an alternate ending on the DVD where Marcus burns the eagle standard on the altar where the final battle occurred instead of delivering it to the Roman governor, saying that the standard belongs to the man who fought for it. That's interesting. The two of them then discuss what they're going to do next as they approach Hadrian's well. Well, I, I think that would have preferred that ending to them handing oh, the Oh, that's way better. That's- you know, as he's standing there, and I, I'm so glad Chris brought this up, as he's standing there, I you can tell the actor's intention. You can tell. I mean, this is what's so, so powerful about acting. You can tell that he's intending to do that. I didn't even Wait. know. I didn't know that that alternate ending existed but as i watch him standing there before the pyre right you can see him about to put it on there you can see that's a big decision fuck they fucked that ending up yeah stupid studio notes right there but uh, but i i had no idea that ending existed you're right it but is a, as you see channing tatum standing there you yeah. can tell he's about to do that um, then him shoot the other scene and he had to say that line like you meant it right he knows more about honor yeah ah um, as an added bonus, there's also a thematic tie-in with Caveman. Really? There's also a thematic tie-in with Caveman when Donald Sutherland says, The smell's repellent, like one of his farts. Thanks as always, guys, and Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you as well, Chris. So, Mr. Wand, next week's Mini Movie Club, Mini Movie Club Palooza. You have to pick a movie that you want to see based on having watched Inherent Vice. What would you like me to watch? See, that thing could be just a movie I want you to see. Yeah. Uh, this week we'll be watching for the quarter to three mini penny movie, Palooza, Murder by Death. Because <laughs> it's kind of like Inherent Vice. All right. That's the link. It's Jeez. far. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. All right. Yeah, let's see if it holds up. 
the way caveman does. All right, good. Back when you had to beat your meat before you eat it. So we for our mini movie club, we will see Murder by Death. Murder by Death. Peter please, please watch it if you get a chance. Uh, try to rent it or see it this week. And uh, write into us at 3... X3 at quarter2three.com and give us some ideas of what you thought of Murder by Death. Um, join us as well next week for our main movie, which will be the it, – it's just going into wide release next week, and it's called The Gambler. So we will be seeing The Gambler next week. Why can't you be happy for me? Why can't you be happy for me? Hey, how you guys doing? You doing good? Dreams. Oh, um, uh, you know what I should have picked was the gambler, the James Con one, as the mini penny. Well, no, that would have been a waste because no, you, you know tough. I'm going to watch it anyway. Are you? Okay, good. Yeah, I want you to. I'll, I'll do my level best to find it. There's one seat I know you really like. Can I? All right, good. Well, we'll see how they hold up. Here you talk time. about. Okay, everybody watch the other one too, like Dingus has to. Right. <laughs> Both gamblers and murder by death. The perfect uh, for Christmas. So, so join us next week for our uh, The Gambler movie podcast. Um, as always, I am Christian Morosky, and I have been joined by Mr. Kelly Wand. They ate us because they dingus. Fingers to blow you away. It's just like watching the detectives. Don't get cute. Just like watching the detectives. I guess those lyrics could apply to hacking too. So it's more topical even than you realized when you picked that. Huh. Did I miss an episode? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh yeah. Right. Wait.